By far the hardest course I've ever taken was the course on the Trinity. I remember laughing at the fact that I was actually going to take an entire course on what the Catechism says is the central mystery of our faith. How am I supposed to understand what the church says we cannot understand? It was a course that was filled with Greek and Roman words that just changing a couple letters on the end of a word meant being Catholic or being a heretic. You know, I remember sitting at my desk preparing for the final exam, which I wasn't sure what the professor was up to. On the final exam, he gave us a list of heresies, and we had to define what the heresy was. I remember thinking to myself, here I am studying to be a priest, and I'm going to get tested on all the mistakes people have made? Why not test me on what we actually believe? But then I realized, when it comes to the study of the Trinity, the goal isn't necessarily to articulate everything, it's just to make sure that you're not a heretic. That doesn't mean we can't learn something about the Trinity. And you see, as we come to understand this great reality of one God and three persons, we ourselves can fall more in love with God. We ourselves can be better disciples. You see, today's gospel gives us a very clear understanding of who God is. He's revealed to be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are sent out to baptize people in that way. But what is it that unites all of them? There's three distinct people, but there's one God. What puts them all together? Well, of course, it's love. Think about it for just a moment. If the Father did not exist, then by definition, you could not have a son. You only have sons if you have a father. All right, fair enough. And if there's no son, then there would be no father. What makes someone a father? They have a child. All of this, then, is this relationship of love. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now stop there before I become a heretic or you become confused. But I think it's important for us to realize that this is what we are invited into. This perpetual existence of love. It's almost like a circuit. This is why the earliest church, when they explain the Trinity, do so with a triangle. You've got the three corners of the triangle. If you remove the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit, if you remove one of the angles, you no longer have a triangle. If you remove one of the persons of God, you no longer have God. And what is it that runs through all of them that keeps them united? That perpetual flow of love. You say, so what? You say that's a great intellectual act. I'll leave that to the scholars to figure out. But no, that love defines the relationship that God has with us. The fact that God has invited us into his love. God has reached down and said to us, I want to raise you up to be a part of this perpetual love. A few years ago, I met a man who was Muslim. We had a fascinating conversation on the differences between our two faiths. As we were talking, he said to me after a while, he said, you know, there's something very beautiful about your faith. He said, I wish I could believe that God was a loving father who wants to draw me into relationship with him. 
course, I reminded him the doors of the Catholic Church are open. It's not that hard for him to come in. But he said he just couldn't get to the point that God was not just calling him to submit, that God was reaching out to him as a father to draw him into love. You see, the Trinity is what sets us apart from every other religion. The pagans knew to look beyond themselves for the gods. God revealed himself to the Jewish people as the father of many nations. And he entered into a covenant with his people, the Israelites. But it wasn't until Jesus Christ that we came to understand who God was. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It wasn't until Jesus came into the world that you and I had a link or a connection to God. After all, you and I are not God. We never will be. How then can we enter into that love that God has for us? Well, Jesus is fully God and fully man. He's the bridge that unites us to God and to that love. So then who is the Trinity? The best answer is he will always remain a a mystery. For 2,000 years, though, the church has worked to explain who the Trinity is. Some of the greatest teachers of our faith have used complex philosophy in Greek terms. Others, like St. Patrick, have used the three-leaf clover to explain the one God and the three persons. But perhaps the best way I know is by the analogy of a family. And please be mindful that all analogies fail. But think about it. Each family has distinct people. A mother, a father, perhaps a son or a daughter. All three of these people are distinct human beings. Yet they create one single unit. One family. And what unites them? The bond of love that exists in that family. The same is true with the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Each distinct people. Yet one unit. One God. Held together by love. You see, when we come to understand the Trinity as this perpetual existence of love, we come to a radically different understanding of who God is. An understanding of God that is distinctly Christian. Our faith is not about our quest for God, but rather it's about God's quest for us. It's not that I have to reach up into the sky and get myself there. No, this perpetual source of love has reached down to me and wants to raise me up into that level. In fact, since God subsists in every relationship of love, every action of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is manifest in love. God created the world out of love for us. He rescued his chosen people from slavery in Egypt out of love. He sent his only son into the world to suffer, to die, and to redeem us and to give us a hope of eternal life out of love. And last Sunday, as we recalled at Pentecost, he sent the Holy Spirit upon us out of love to guide us in loving one another. You see, as we celebrate this central mystery of our faith, we come to see who God is. That while he is truly all-powerful, he's supremely just, he knows all and he transcends all, he doesn't just tolerate us. He actually loves us. He doesn't exist to lord power over us, but rather to enter into a relationship with us. 
And so when we hear that command of Jesus in today's gospel to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we are hearing an invitation to share his mystery. He's not calling us to just go through emotion or ritual or engage some intellectual mind game. He's calling us into a personal relationship with him and to bring others into that perpetual love. My friends, God is on a quest to enter into a relationship with us. The love exists. The question is, can we open our hearts to receive that love and then spend eternity with God in the midst of that love forever in heaven?